At Boost Mobile, you get the power of the iPhone SE when you switch, which means the power to stream your favorite shows, download all the music, the power to FaceTime your ex. It's over. Stop calling me. On second thought, don't call your ex. Switch now and get an iPhone SE for $0, all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Excluding tax. Additional restrictions apply. 5G not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com for details. And stop calling your ex. She doesn't want to hear from you anymore. Hey guys, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung Sung, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Nick Jurgelis. Hey guys. known as Los. That's me. All right, so there's been a ton of stuff happening in free agency, and today we're going to cover some of the more high-profile trades and signings that have been happening. Exciting. Let's start. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying it's, it's an exciting time, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, uh, and, you know, we're going to talk a lot about redraft, but as you all know, dynasty seasons are won in the offseason by trades and movements. That's right, and if you guys are listening to this, I lost my train of thought. All right, well, clearly ignore Los, but uh, let's let's start with uh, a big, <laughs> a big signing. That. All right, so let's talk about Marshawn Lynch. He has now signed a two-year extension with Seattle worth $24 million, and this basically keeps them as a Super Bowl contender in my mind. He, Lynch is one of the best running backs in the league right now. Oh, I agree. That makes with the... Uh... The pickup of Jimmy Graham. The uh, the Seahawks are are good to go. Oh yeah, they're they've now got a powerhouse offense to go with their defense, and they haven't even drafted yet. So there's uh, there's a lot they can still do to improve. Yeah, if they pick up a good wide receiver, find one in free agency, trade for one. Who knows? They might do something else crazy. Um, pick up a good rookie or something, then then their offense could be you know top of the line. Russell Wilson speaks for himself with his uh, with his talent. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, the Marshawn Lynch re-signing is bad news for any dynasty owners out there who grabbed Robert Turbin or Kristen Michael. Sorry, guys. Uh, but do you think how far do you think this this drops their value? Is this is this one of those cases where there's always next year, guys, or is this you should you should start thinking about other options at running back? I mean, it, it's it's lower than it was prior because everybody had that hope that. This would be the year that that Christine Michael steps up and takes that role. Um, obviously, that's not the case. Um, Christine Michael's still young. I think he's uh, 24, if I'm not mistaken. So he's still. A, you mean you mean Kristen? By the way, he's not a girl, all right? Christian, I think it is, right? Kristen. No, it's a, it's actually Kristen. Kristen. Okay. Yeah. Kristen might. Uh, Mr. Michael, the running back out of Seattle. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that. Yeah, Mr. Michael, uh, still still a young back, still has uh, still oozes talent. He's just not going to get that opportunity to show it unless Lynch goes down. Yeah, but you can't blame Seattle for re-signing Lynch. Uh, I want to read something real quick. Of course here. not. Since week six of 2010, this is via ESPN Stats and Info. Marshawn Lynch has ranked first in the NFL in rushing attempts, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and yards after contact. Wow. All that and they didn't run at the goal line in the Super Bowl, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> things happen. Yeah, things do happen. You think twice about them afterwards, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. That's true. I uh, I think that Pete Carroll will 
have that follow him for quite a long time, but you can't blame the guy. When you have a when you have a quarterback as talented as Russell Wilson, sometimes you take those chances that you shouldn't. And he and he should always. I mean, they've got to be the favorites to to repeat a uh, Super Bowl berth going into this year, especially if they just picked up Jimmy Graham. Correct. Sure, I think with Jimmy Graham, Marshawn Lynch, and the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Honestly, we might see a replay of Green Bay and Seattle. I'd really prefer not to see a replay of Green Bay and Seattle. How about like Seattle and San Francisco or Seattle and like Seattle and Chicago? Yeah. Oh, 2015. yeah. There we go. 2015 <laughs> Seattle, Chicago. Oh, although I can't root for Seattle in that one. But uh, hey, you, you can dream, right? If you, yeah. A wise man. Uh, Walt Disney once said, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's true. All right. So now that Lynch is for sure going to be in Seattle again, yep. where do you have him ranked in 2015 for running backs? Um, let's see. Ranking for running backs in a standard or PPR. You're going to say both, aren't you? I am going to say both, but let's start with standard. Sure. Why, why, don't we, uh, why don't we play a game of people that I wouldn't take before Marshawn Lynch? How's that sound? Yeah, that works for me. Sure. Um, so well, for, firstly, let's go with, uh, no, you know what? You start. I'll answer. All right. Well, I, I don't have my 2015 rankings done yet. And obviously okay. things are, are very fluid to change at this point in the sure, offseason, sure. but let's just throw out a few of the top consensus running backs. Right. So for standard now, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell. I would take Le'Veon Bell in both standard and PPR over Marshawn Lynch. I agree. What about Eddie Lacy? Again, both over Marshawn Lynch. That Green Bay offense is just too dynamic. They score too many points. Okay. Well, even with John Kuhn stealing some goal line touchdowns? Is Kuhn, I thought Kuhn uh, didn't resign. Didn't he? Oh, yes. Even with John Kuhn getting in the way, <laughs> I, I think I'll take Lacy first, regardless. Okay. Okay. All right, what about, here's an interesting one. Sure. Adrian Peterson. Uh, now, we don't know where he's going to be playing yet in 2015. Yeah, I can't answer that question. If, if he ends up in a place like Dallas, then Adrian Peterson jumps, jumps Lacey, probably jumps uh, Bell for me. Absolutely. Yeah. But assuming, let's just say for fun. He's on the Vikings? Adrian Peterson stays on the Vikings. Sure. Where do you have him in relation to Marshawn Lynch? Marshawn Lynch in standard, Adrian Peterson in PPR. I think I might take Marshawn Lynch over Adrian Peterson in both, assuming he's back with the Vikings. I just think Adrian Peterson is such a dynamic running back. He he basically had the entire season off last year. Um, the Vikings offense doesn't look good, but this is Adrian Peterson. He he's, he may be the best guy to line up in a backfield in the last 10 years. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson notwithstanding, he might be better than LaDainian Tomlinson. Okay, that's fair. I, I think I think it's very close for me. I, I would definitely have to think about that one. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, it's definitely something you have to think about. Um, and if Peterson were to go somewhere, a, a couple of the rumored landing spots are potentially Dallas and Arizona, then... You know, right now we're recording this. We don't know yet. That may change in the next few days. Mm-hmm. But assuming he goes to Dallas or Arizona, I've mentioned before, and I'll say it again, if he goes to one of those two teams who I 
think both could be Super Bowl contenders in 2015, mm-hmm. I would have Adrian Peterson first overall, even over Le'Veon Bell. I think I would agree if he went to Dallas. Um, I would have to do some more thinking if he went to Arizona, because I still think that they're invested in um, Andre Ellington a little bit. All right. All right. That's fair. Yep. What about what about Marshawn Lynch or Arian Foster? First and standard. I take Marshawn Lynch in both. Um, Arian Foster is starting to so, show some tread on the tires. I think um, Blue and uh, Al Blue and uh, the other guy. I think his last name starts with a G. If I'm, uh, if Jonathan I'm Jonathan Grimes. Yeah, John Grimes. I think Blue and Grimes are going to start to chip away a little bit at his carries. Arian Foster, his talent is, of course, off the charts, just like all these running backs we're talking about. But I think I'm Lynch gonna, uh, takes. I'm going to disagree with you there. Really? I think okay. That I would take Marshawn Lynch in standard, but I would take Foster over Lynch in PPR. I I understand that Foster has so many nagging hamstring history his I can't talk hamstring injury history issues mm-hmm. and also other soft tissue things that he's had trouble with in the past. But at the same time, Marshawn Lynch has a well documented history of back problems. Granted, it hasn't made him miss much time as of yet, but we're talking more another three hundred carry season probably. But Marshawn Lynch, I mean, he's a powerful back. He, he's not that old. He, I mean, it feels like he's been around forever since he's been back with, you know, Buffalo through to, you know, made it all the way here. Um, but he, he's not that old. And he, he, fi- he did finally uh, show that he could catch the ball. Um, he caught 37 balls. And then in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, he had a great catch on a ball that uh, bailed Russell Wilson out to get downfield. Of course, you know, that, that didn't really end up winning the game for them you know, at the end of the day or anything, but he's shown that he can handle catching the ball. Whereas uh, prior, we thought of him more of a, just a uh, pure running back. Um, of course, I, under, I understand that, but I'll, I'll take Arian Foster and PPR over Marshawn Lynch okay. for two reasons. Sure. Here's, here's why. So Mar- you're right. Marshawn Lynch did actually get more involved in the passing game in the last two years. Last year, he actually had 37 catches in the regular season. Yep for about 370 yards. And he actually had four touchdowns on those receptions. Yeah. And Arian Foster actually only had one more catch than Marshawn Lynch. And he actually had fewer yards, um, <clears throat> fewer yards receiving than Lynch did, okay. surprisingly enough. Wow. However, the fact that Russell Wilson is such a dynamic quarterback, both passing and running the ball, Whereas Arian Foster is stuck with Ryan Mallett or Brian Hoyer, pick your poison there. Not Case Keenum because they just shipped him out to uh, where to St. Louis, right? Right, because Hoyer and Mallett are a huge upgrade over Case Keenum. They, they got, they got, a, I think they got a seventh rounder out of it, so that that'll go. They did, yeah. Well, regardless, I think that while Marshawn Lynch is the backbone of the offense. Arian Foster is even more so the backbone of the offense for the Houston Texans. I think that they're going to rely so much more on him than they're going to have to rely on Lynch, especially the second reason being Jimmy Graham signing that trade. Because how many of Marshawn Lynch's touchdowns are going to go to Jimmy Graham? Hopefully for Jimmy Graham, a few of them, yeah. I understand that Marshawn Lynch is still going to get plenty. They're not going to go away from running the ball at the goal line. But with such a dynamic receiving weapon as Jimmy Graham, you, you have to think that Marshawn Lynch's touchdown totals go down. I'm not saying they go down drastically, but instead of the 13, he 
he had last year and the 12 that he had in 2013 i think it's more like nine or ten. put him on the goal line think of that that uh, final that final play of the drive in the super bowl you, you're throwing the ball to jimmy graham instead of handing it to lynch you're not getting near as many questions Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why, again, it's close. I, I, I understand why you would take Lynch over Foster, but personally, I'll take Foster over Lynch. Okay. Uh, let, let, all right, let's, let's do one more. Uh, what about Jamal Charles? Him or Marshawn Lynch in, in standard first? I, I still have a, a lot of faith in Jamal Charles. Um, I, still, I still put him as an elite running back, and I would still take him over Lynch in both, in both uh, league formats. Okay, really, that's very interesting. Yeah. I actually, I actually disagree because I think that, and we we discussed Jeremy Macklin a little bit, mm-hmm. but even though I'm not excited for Macklin's fantasy prospects, I think that him being there as well as Travis Kelsey's growth in that offensive scheme are going to take away from Jamal Charles's targets in the passing game. And I think that was part, obviously he's still a great rushing uh, running back on the ground. He, he gets it in into the end zone, but so much of his production came from the receiving yardage and the catches and the receiving touchdowns sure. that that's going to go away. I don't think it's going to go away completely. I think it's actually going to open the field up more for him, if anything. Um, and this is a guy who, even with uh, people having the key on him, he, he averaged five yards per carry on the ground with 200 rushes last year. Okay. Well, all right. Just, uh, again, I've done a very preliminary 2015 rankings sure. uh, by position, um, and they're very subject to change. But right now, I have Marshawn Lynch as the number four running back behind Bell, Lacey, and potentially Peterson. Okay. And I have Foster at five and Charles at six. Okay. I mean, it's, I think, it's hard I think to argue I through that. I understand sure. arguments between the top tier. As usual, a lot of it's personal preference and mm-hmm. little things. Of course. It's things that you like. You like a guy that, that has the potential to catch the ball more and things like that. That's, that's why you didn't even mention Matt Forte, I don't think, in, in your top six right there. Uh, you know, I'm actually really worried about Forte in 2015, uh, both as a Bears fan and as a fantasy player. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll get to we'll get to positional rankings a little bit later. Let's let's go back to free agents. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Lynch? Um, j- just the final thing. Uh, just to go back on your point with um with Jimmy Graham and Lynch. Uh, mm-hmm. So last year, um, Russell Wilson combined with all the tight ends there to throw for six touchdowns amongst all the tight ends there. You've got to think that Jimmy Graham's going to be get, catching more than six touchdowns this year, which will, of course, be taken away from uh, from Marshawn Lynch. Oh, absolutely. Jimmy Graham is a beast inside the five-yard line. Yep. Yeah, a beast like no other, or some others, I guess. All right, well, the one of the running backs that I didn't ask you about to compare to Lynch. Yeah was LaShawn McCoy, and that's because yeah. I want to bring him up after. Sure. So, as most of us know at this point, uh, unless you're completely, you know, in the dark about all things going on in the NFL. And how could you be? LaShawn McCoy is now a Buffalo Bill. Buffalo how do you Bill. feel about that? I feel um, conflicted, um, confused, uh, a little tearful, somewhat scared. Um, I, I don't know why you're feeling like that. I'm the guy that owns him in our in the dynasty league that we play together in. 
Yeah, but I've been a Shady fan since, since early on. I, I've, I've watched his career. I've liked him. I've liked the way he run back, the way he ran. I was waiting for him to come out of Brian Westbrook's shadow, which he, he exploded onto the scene in a oh, big yeah. way. Um, and I just liked seeing him in Philadelphia. He looks, he looks great in, in you know, green. In green? But, yeah. But, uh, but what about in red, white, and blue? Don't you love America? I, I, I do love America. That, that's right. That's right. And that, that's what we've got to think about first. LaShawn McCoy is now an ambassador for America itself, and we can't and we can't uh, we, we can't uh, you know count that too little. Maybe maybe we should just send LaShawn McCoy over overseas in, in red, white, and blue. Strike fear into the into the hearts of of everyone. There we go. We tried that with Dennis Rodman in Korea already, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was an unauthorized mission, actually. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh gosh! But, all right, for just real quick, from a pure football standpoint, sure. from an NFL team standpoint, I think the Eagles did a great job with this trade. I think Kiko Alonso is a is a amazing young linebacker, and I think that they won out because in in this day and age there's no reason to be paying any running back that much money it's just how the landscape has shifted now on the other hand from a fantasy perspective i'm cautiously optimistic about Lashawn mccoy and buffalo cautiously optimistic about buffalo or about shady mccoy and, and owning him in a league in, in terms of mccoy's fantasy production I really don't think it's going to drop off all that much because when you look at what happened in Philadelphia last year, he was already losing third down work to Darren Sproles. Mm -hmm. And he started towards the end of the year, he started losing all the goal line carries to Chris Polk. Sure. That cut into his production a ton. That along with the fact that he had one of the best offensive lines in 2013. Mm -hmm. And last year, his entire line suffered injuries throughout the entire season right i believe i believe there was something like i don't remember the exact stat but the offensive line in philadelphia they only had the same five linemen play a hundred snaps throughout the entire season wow gosh despite that Lashawn mccoy ranked third in the league in rushing yards yeah yeah, people think uh, from a fantasy standpoint, a lot of people probably took Shady McCoy top top. I think he probably went top three, top four last year, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If if not first overall after that monster season and in 2013, I, I think a lot of people were let down and might shy away from him. But he he really he really carried the load, even with all the, all the touches that uh, that Sproles took from him um, in terms of combining carries and receiving targets not necessarily receptions but combining carries and receiving targets mccoy was targeted with the ball 350 times last year good for fourth of every running back in the nfl they ran the offense through shady mccoy sure and i think that it's all about perspective because if you drafted shady as a top three running back sure you you hated the fact that you spent such a high pick on him but mm -hmm. really are you really allowed to be that angry about it? He finished in PPR leagues as the number 12 running back. Yeah. Obviously that's not worth the price that you paid for him, but it could have been much worse. He could have been, uh, you know, a guy like Trent Richardson. He could, yeah. you could, you could have gotten, you could have drafted a Adrian Peterson, gotten nothing out of him for most of the season. Yeah. The, the same people that are going to hold that against McCoy are going to forget to hold that against Darren Sproles, who who just took it away from him. Hold that against uh, Chip Kelly, who took it away from him. 
Right. And the reason I say cautiously optimistic is because I don't think that McCoy has lost any of his talent and speed and that elusiveness that allows him to just evade tacklers and somehow find a 40-yard gain out of a play that was meant to get five. Sure. The main concerns for me about him and Buffalo uh, are three things. Okay. First, Buffalo's offensive line did not grade well at run blocking in 2014. A lot remains to be seen as to what free agents uh, they're going to sign in terms of O-line and also how they're going to try to bolster that. Okay. I believe they just signed a fullback to yeah, help with that. I think, though, I think they're the only team that made a fullback signing this offseason so far. And I think that demonstrates yeah, they just signed Jerome Felton. Right. And I think that perfectly demonstrates Rex, Rex Ryan's plan to run the ball down everybody's throats. You mean to tell me Rex Ryan is committed to the run? <laughs> yeah, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Wow, we're really coming out of left field, folks. Not Okay, perhaps, perhaps I misspoke. More than him committing to the run, it proves that they're taking the right and necessary steps to fix that O-line to allow their commitment to the run to be successful. Sure. Let's put it that way. Okay. The other two concerns are basically the concerns that nagged him with Sproles and Chris Polk. Is he going to get the third down work, or is Fred Jackson going to take over, and is he going to get the goal line carries? Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question, but I... I don't look at Fred Jackson as the type of back that that you're going to put into steel goal line work from LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy is a dynamic back. He's one of the, he, he's one of the most talented backs in the entirety of the NFL. Whereas Fred Jackson is the oldest employed back in the NFL. That's true. And and I agree that he's not necessarily going to lose those. The question is the problem is the uncertainty there because mm-hmm. last year in New York Chris Ivory and Chris Johnson split those carries, but Chris Ivory is not LaShawn McCoy, and neither is Chris Johnson, despite his amazing 2,000-yard season. No. At this point in his career, LaShawn McCoy, I think, has at least another one or two years of elite production left, and that's why I'm not terribly concerned about his fantasy value heading into 2015. He's only 26 years old. Well, again, I'm I'm in that camp uh, that is more worried about the number of carries and touches rather than their actual age. Sure, but I agree. He's as a 26, as a soon to be 26 year old myself. I don't think that he's over the hill by any means. No, he's a spring chicken. In fact, I think that at this point in time, in my very early 2015 rankings, I have McCoy as the number nine running back. In PPR. Number nine running back in PPR. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I have everybody that we just discussed when mm-hmm. we were talking about Lynch over him. Sure. And in addition, I have Jeremy Hill and CJ Anderson just ahead of him. See, I put both of, the, uh, both of them below LaShawn McCoy for me. That's fair. I understand that. But I think that... We can talk about it more later, but Jeremy Hill is going gonna, is gonna to seed work 
to um I can't think of the guy uh, G- uh Gio Bernard uh, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard yeah Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard um Giovanni Bernard um took a step back because of injury I don't think it's that they they want to let he'll run away with the job or anything like that um and the the second one you mentioned was oh CJ Anderson um yeah I guess it's really hard to argue whoever's starting for the Browns or for the for the uh the, the Browns. The Broncos. I'm sorry. <laughs> Boy, am I, am I sorry, Denver fans. Um, is, that a, is that a Freudian slip that's there? A, that's, a, that's a Freudian are you, slip. Are right you there. a secret Uh-oh. Cleveland Browns Uh-oh. fan? Uh-oh. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been known to spend root some time underdog? in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, the root for the under, underdog. underdog. Sure, yeah, you know. All about that money, money. Johnny Manziel. Um, but yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah. If, I just can't really invest in a Broncos running back like that after I've just seen them go down on the next guys. I mean, if you're going to buy a Broncos running back like that, then you have to overspend on, on the backup. You you just have to. It's not a question of, of if, it's a question of must. That's true. Uh, the way I see it is specifically in relation to the Broncos, and we'll, we'll get back on topic real quick, mm-hmm. but real quick on the Broncos, I think that Peyton, everybody overstated the failures of Peyton in that championship game against the Colts because or not championship game but in that playoff game against the Colts Mm -hmm. because while Peyton's arm strength has definitely diminished over the last year I think that poor performance was due much more to the fact of that quad injury that we found out about afterwards than his actual decline in arm strength I think that Peyton can still throw it and he will still throw it but at the same time, they are looking to run the ball much, much more than they did before. Sure, I would agree with that. And that said, Peyton's never been a guy that, that's been, you know, hugely touted for his arm strength. It's his accuracy and it's his ability to be a field general. Um so so an arm strength an arm strength loss isn't a concern to me. He he can run that offense, he can run it effectively. Nobody's questioning that. And that's not and that's not my worry with, with uh drafting a guy like CJ Anderson. It's just I don't like investing in backs that aren't much more talented than an average running back who just so happen to be a system back. If he goes down, the next guy steps up just as effective. See if, that's that's where I disagree. Okay. I understand that they kind of play running back roulette. Mm-hmm. But that was under John Fox. Gary Kubiak likes his guy. And I think that CJ Anderson is very talented, more so than Monte Ball or Ronnie Hillman. Okay. And I think that he's going to be Kubiak's guy. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I could definitely see the argument there. I just think in a PPR sort of league, I think McCoy's targets are going to exceed that of, even though Peyton is known to throw the ball to the running back a ton, I think, uh, I think McCoy's. Let's. I just want to see what the numbers were last year. So he threw to C.J. Anderson 44 times, threw to Hellman 34 times. So that comes to about 80 times throwing the ball to the running back, whereas McCoy uh, got the ball 37 times, Sproles 63 times. Right, but he's not going to be in Philadelphia anymore, so those don't true. really necessarily indicate anything. No, that's a very good point. He, he's on a new team with with a new coach. But basically what you're saying is that you have LaShawn McCoy around running back five or six still in that top tier. Yeah, just I, I can't deny his talent. Okay. I think I think I have him dropped a little bit more, but I think that if you're a dynasty owner, you shouldn't necessarily be panicking either. 
No, Dynasty, don't be panicked. He's young. He, he's got the wheels on him. He's, ha- he's had a little tread like you. He's had a little wear and tear like you've talked about, but he's still probably in the best shape of the running backs that have been, you know, lead backs for the past three years. Absolutely. Um, all right, speaking of lead backs, mm-hmm. so the Colts have officially signed Frank Gore. Yes, yes, they have. How do you feel about this? I don't think I could be any happier about that. I... I I know in, in the first episode I said the best situation was for him to say stay in uh, San Francisco, but I didn't really consider him going to Indianapolis. And this is awesome. I, I don't see how he could be anything but completely excited for the start of the season. You take a, a running back who, and, and we talked about him in, in the first episode, if you, if you want to go back and listen. Um, this guy has not fallen off. We keep waiting for the tires to fall off, but he just keeps kicking them and he keeps producing. You put him on the field with Andrew Luck, he's going to produce. I agree. And I want to point out a couple of stats real quick here. Frank Gore hasn't missed a single game in the past four years. He hasn't, he hasn't failed to rush for a thousand yards in the past four years. And the only reason wow. that his the only reason his production declined last year was because he only got four touchdowns as compared to about eight or nine in the seasons before that. Yeah, they started using Hyde more. I, I don't know why. But uh I understand that they wanted to start rotating him in, but at the same time, can you see Frank Gore only getting four touchdowns? As a Colt? No, there's no way. And what I was getting at there is when they were when they were coming away from him, all they did was to save some wear and tear for the Colts. So so that that's that works in everybody's favor, except I guess the uh, the Niners. Um, no, I don't see that. I don't think there's any way he he t- he scores less than five touchdowns. Dare I say it for the 49ers. Um I agree. I would take the over on that. Yeah, he's he's going to be a guy who, if you if you owned him in Dynasty and were let down by him last year, you are going to be thrilled with him this year, in my opinion. Especially if you're in a in a PPR sort of league. Just for comparison, and and of course we're keeping in the back of our minds that Gore will probably seed carries and and uh, and receptions to to a guy like Dan Heron, who I think showed that he can he can handle some workload, especially in the postseason last year. Um, but I mean, Frank Gore is far and away better. Even if right, I think I think Frank Gore can even stay in on third downs. the The reason he didn't have many catches in San Francisco isn't his inability to catch; it's because Greg Roman's scheme didn't call for many passes. Exactly, exactly my point. Even if he seeds, even if he seeds some catches to Heron, Kaepernick threw the ball about thirty times to running backs last year, compared to Andrew Luck threw the ball one hundred and fifteen times to running backs last year. That's a world of difference. Andrew Luck must be ecstatic right now. He's got to be. I want to bring up another another stat uh, brought to us by ESPN Stats and Info. A great resource. Oh, one of the best. The Indianapolis Colts have not had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2007. Edron James? Uh, Joseph Adai. Joe Adai. Oh, I forgot about him. Yes, he, he fell sir. Off, he fell off quick about three years, no? He did. Um, but looking at the stats, their leading rushers since 2008 have been Joseph Adai, who reached 800 something yards in 2009. Okay. Donald Brown in 2010 and 2011. Wow. Vic Ballard in 2012. Jeez. And of course, Trent Richardson in the last two years. 
they they've almost had as much problems finding a running back as the Bears have had finding a quarterback. Yeah, and and look at it this way. When you take into account the the weapons that Andrew Luck has in the receiving game Whew. and add Frank Gore to that mix, gosh. Plus, uh, it, they're also in talks right now, and they may sign him soon. If they do sign Andre Johnson as yeah. well, yeah, I I could see this with a few upgrades on the pass rush and the secondary. I could see the Colts winning the Super Bowl. I I could see that too. Now, from a more fantasy relevant perspective, do you think? Because I think that with this and the impending signing of Andre Johnson, Andrew Luck becomes your number one fantasy quarterback. I think he was already, but this, okay. if anything, this just increases the gap a little bit between him and Rodgers. Yeah, it's, it's, things are looking good in Indianapolis. And I'm still a little bitter about they that, are. about that, uh, that Bears Indy Super Bowl because I, I take the, you know, I, I, I dwell on things if far we, too long. If we even had Jay Cutler instead oh, of Rex Gross, oh right, uh, we're going down a dark, dark this, path this here. Is, this, this, these are the things that make me drink. Let's not talk about that. All right. Well, your, your personal problems aside. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that you, much would, of a problem. Would you agree that I, I would draft Frank Gore as a, as a pretty high-end running back, too? With all the uncertainty in the league now with running backs by committee, I think Frank Gore is a, is a very high-end RB, too. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, high end RB2 with some massive potential. I think, I think his floor is that of an RB2. But if he gets you, if he gets, um, he faces defense that are keying on receivers, T.Y. Hilton opening up the floor for him and, and Andy Luck, uh, starts hitting him with, hitting him with underneath passes, he could very well push for a very strong consideration as an RB1 this year. And here's the thing. I'm not worried about Gore's durability at all. In no. the 10 seasons that he's played in the NFL, Frank Gore has missed, can you guess how many games? Take, take a quick guess. Just in throw his ten, a number. In 10 seasons? In 10 seasons. Let's say 10 games. 12. 12 games in 10 seasons of the NFL as a starting running back in the NFL. Yep. Wow. You got it. Wow. That's, I mean, the guy speaks for himself. He... he he doesn't get talked about because uh, because he's aged, but he's he's as good as any. I'd love to have him. So so real quick, wh- where does this put Carlos Hyde in your running back rankings? So, gosh, it's it's a tough question just because Carlos Hyde has shown when they gave him the chance that that he can produce, obviously, and they want him to produce. He, they or at least the the prior regime wanted him to be the future. Last year, he only had eighty carries. For, uh, for four yards a carry. They started handing him the ball more. Um, I just don't know if he can yet be relied on to take on a full running back, you know, one role. I think they're really going to look to find somebody to compliment him. So I think that's going to limit his value. Okay. So I, I agree. I think that San Francisco is definitely going to draft a running back sometime in the early rounds. If not, they've got to sign one. There's plenty of running backs left in the market right now. Sure. A guy like... Well, okay, here's my my only hesitation. I love Carlos Hyde. Sure. But my hesitation with Carlos Hyde next year is the fact that, one, they just lost Mikey Potty to, I think, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. He and Joe Staley were an anchor on the left side of that line. That was part of the reason that they had such a strong run game. True. And second... Patrick Willis is retiring. They may lose half of their defense to free agency. Yeah. I don't know that 
I don't know how how many opportunities Carlos Hyde is going to have to run the game. I, I, I this might be overly pessimistic, but I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to be playing from behind for a lot of games, which just may bump Torrey Smith's value up. All right, let's not get back into that. <laughs> but but I suppose I suppose you have a decent point there. Mm-hmm. Um, and real quick, I want to go back uh, for a second. We we mentioned Lashawn McCoy and and his impact in Buffalo, but yes. we we didn't really talk about Chris Polk or Kenyon Barner in Philadelphia. I don't, um, I don't see any way that Philadelphia doesn't find another guy to put in that backfield. Chris Polk is not a guy that you that you lean on in a, in a game in in the NFL to win games in this league. Um, neither is Kenyon Barner, but in my opinion, I don't disagree. But I think that whoever they sign, and and for a while it was thought that Gore had all but agreed to sign in Philadelphia, and we saw how that fell through. Yeah, yep. Who and and there there are rumors that they're still interested in Demarco Murray. What what are your thoughts? Who who do you think might actually land there, and and what do you think of their fantasy value? So ju- just to re go over the the landscape, they do still have Sproles, who can put sure, your... yeah, absolutely. So so we can't leave him out of the conversation. I mean, he he. Sh- no, I just I mentioned Polk and Barner because Sproles is likely to remain more of the passing down back. So I'm saying who who's more likely to take over that that plotter role. Well, out of out of the people that exist currently, that would have to be Chris. Out Polk. of the people that exist, <laughs> yeah, the, the people the people currently on the roster. Come on, the all people right, currently right. on the roster that has to go to Chris Polk in 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 my opinion. Now, in reality, he actually only averaged three point seven yards a carry, whereas Sproles got five point eight. But obviously, that's due to people worried more about the pass when Sproles is out there on the field. Sure, in, by my estimation. Um, but I think Sproles can have the the sort of impact like he did when he was in when he was in New Orleans. I mean, this is this Chip Kelly offense is. I, I don't know if they're going to look to find a guy that's plotting to get downfield. They're going to find ways to spread this ball. They're going to find ways to spread the field. So I think Sproles is still going to be the number one guy. But guys that still that are still sitting in free agency that they could look to to take over that sort of role, the sort of guy that's going to get you the short yardage, the short, sort of guy that's a that's a power back that you might be able to lean on. Steph Ridley's still just sitting there in free agency. You took the words right out of my mouth. Steph Ridley, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Steven Ridley is is one of my personal weaknesses. I, I really like him. I was waiting I was waiting for years for him to get out of New England so you can actually get a a full workload. And unfortunately, part of the reason he has that opportunity is the injury that he sustained. But I think he'd be a great fit there. I think Personally, he's improved though? his fumbling problems that he had early in his career, and, and I agree. I mean, running backs get injured. You you can't – I mean, you have to keep it in the back of your mind. But just about every running back, with the exception of Frank Gore, who somehow has had this illustrious career despite terrible knee injuries in college, every running back, for the most part, has these injury concerns. So you can't really be that – you've got to be worried, but you can't, you know, bury someone's career because of injury concerns. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, going back real quick, one last thing on the Philly situation. I think that Darren Sproles is going to be an interesting buy low again next year because whoever they sign or draft at running back, people are going to forget all about Darren Sproles' Mm -hmm. amazing 2014. And I think that he is still a lock in PPR to be a solid mid-range to back-end RB2. And I think that his ADP is not going to reflect anywhere near that. 
Yeah. And and that fantastic year he had was was only with about 60 carries, which is bound to expand. If they draft a rookie, who's the last rookie running back to to join the league, step in and be awesome? Uh, I believe that was Marcus Lattimore. Oh, oh, oh hold on. Whoops. Yeah. No, but I understand where you're coming from, it, especially with the the lack of the lack of experience and pass protection that today's college NFL or I'm sorry, college running backs have. Sure. It's it's such a tough transition in the league and especially for a lot of teams who invest so much money into their quarterback position, you, you know, you got to protect that investment. Is it time to talk about the the Philly quarterback? I, mean, I think we should say a few words about the Philly quarterback situation now that, that we are discussing them. Yeah, we, we can talk about that. So for those of you who may not have heard, Sam Bradford is now a Philadelphia Eagle and Nick Foles is a St. Louis Ram. God bless. <laughs> so, so what they're looking at here is in Philly, we've got Mark Sanchez. And they've got and they've got Sam Bradford. So when you when you make a move and trade for a guy like Sam Bradford, who they owe more money than they would have paid Nick Foles, you have to expect that they're thinking he's going to be their starter. No, I honestly I'm not sure. I think that there's a very good chance that Sam Bradford could be part of a bigger deal in order to trade up and grab Marcus Mariota in the draft. Really, Chip Kelly has expressed time and time again. First, how he thought that Marcus Mariota was the most talented quarterback that he'd ever worked with. And two, the fact that he's made all these moves already, trading LaShawn McCoy, uh, letting Jeremy Macklin go to the Chiefs, they are letting Chip Kelly build this team exactly the way he wants to build it. And I think that freeing up all that cap space is his way of demonstrating that he'll do whatever it takes to get the players that he wants, regardless of public opinion. And I think that he's going to make a move for Mariota. It's like he's playing franchise mode in Madden and just doesn't know when to stop. (laughs) Well, it could either end very well or very poorly. We all know that Eagles fans are very easily angered. So yeah, he's he's walking a fine line. I'm just very surprised that they let a guy like Macklin leave. That's true, but at the same time, the way that Chip Kelly's offensive scheme works, it's almost as if the pieces are replaceable. And it's it's tough to think about the NFL just as a business because you definitely want loyalty from players and you want the city to to build an identity around that team. And we're we're getting a little bit too much into the the actual football aspect, but I think Part of the reason that Frank Gore may ultimately have backed out of that deal is because of Chip Kelly's willingness to show that you're expendable. And do you really want to be a part of that mentality? Sure. And I think Gore, I think uh, Indianapolis committed three years to Frank Gore, which which is which I think is a great commitment for a guy his age. Well, I think a lot of that might be front loaded as well, given his age. But I okay. exactly, I understand that. Especially, uh, LaShawn McCoy may have been taking a few digs at, at the Eagles, but during his press conference with the Bills, he was saying that he was happy to be somewhere that he was appreciated. And I think that that's an intangible for an NFL team to show that sort of commitment to a player. Sure, these people are still... I mean, we, we look at them and, and we say, oh, hey, I want to own this guy, I want to I draft this guy. And you think about them as numbers and 
things that are on your fantasy team, but but they're still people too. I mean, they they have feelings. Not to make this you know mushy gushy or anything like that, but you know, I, I mean, there's something in the workplace. We all have jobs. You go to work, you kind of want to be appreciated, don't you? Yeah, I want that blue ribbon as much as anybody else. Damn right. All right, uh, let let's get back to the fantasy impact. Yeah, so let's do that. Seeing as Really, we have no idea what Chip Kelly is or isn't going to do. Let's I don't even know about, what he's thinking. Sure. Let's talk about first the scenario if they stick with Stan Bradford as their starter, and then two if they if they do somehow trade up for Marcus Mariota. So let, let's start with the Bradford part. Honestly, I don't see the two as very much different. Bradford has to put together a season in the NFL, and Mariota is going to have his struggles as a first year uh, NFL quarterback, and Sanchez. We've all seen Sanchez. He had some success in this Chip Kelly offense, but he had that success with Jeremy Macklin as, as his top wideout and with LaShawn, uh, with LaShawn McCoy standing behind him. Well, here's I'm actually pretty optimistic that if they do keep Sam Bradford, he's going to do pretty well. Really? And here's why. Well, first, the first reason is because I am a Sam Bradford owner in Dynasty. Okay, that, so that's a great I, reason. Sure. Number two. But really. The 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 Eagles offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, was the same guy on the Rams when Bradford was a rookie and when he won rookie of the year. Okay. I think that Sam Bradford has shown assuming that he can stay healthy, and that, that's a very big issue right now. But assuming that Bradford can stay healthy, he's shown improvement every year that he's been in the league. His before he got injured in twenty thirteen. He was over a 60% completion rate, and he had a 14-4 to 4 touchdown-interception ratio. When you get even a competent quarterback, who I think Bradford is pretty talented and just has never been able to put together a couple of healthy seasons. Define competent. Who are, who, what is your baseline for competent so I can follow? Nick Foles. He is competent. I would not say he is talented. I'd say he's talented, would, but I mean, in terms of relative to the general okay, public. But I'm saying put okay. a guy, put a guy. Is, you're, Josh you're McCown, not gonna, is Josh McCown competent? Yes. Okay. Josh McCown has shown that he can be com- competent and even very good in the right system, i.e. Tressman's system in 2013. So we're talking a Jeff Garcia type player who in the right system can spread the ball around. And get you right, wins. Exactly. A Kurt I'm Warner saying, kind of guy. He, I I'm mean, he made it to the Super Nick Bowl. Foles, I'm saying that Nick Foles' production in 2013 was because of Chip Kelly's system and the fact that NFL teams had not yet adjusted to it. Okay. And that's partially why. Part of it was the breakdown in pass protection last year, but Foles is not, he's not the guy that's going to get you the win. He's the guy that's not going to ha- get you the loss. Okay. Okay, so he's a competent Sam, guy that's not going to put you in a terrible place. Isn't right. going to outright lose games for you. Okay. And I think my my opinion is that Sam Bradford has not been put in a position to succeed with the St. Louis Rams. Well, no, they of course not, not. They have not put the right weapons around him. Mm-hmm. And part of it is his own inability to stay healthy to keep putting together that resume. But when you put a dynamic player like sam bradford in a dynamic scheme like chip kelly's offense i think that that is magic waiting to happen i think that if 
and it's a big if if Sam Bradford plays all 16 games this year, I think that he is a top top six to eight quarterback. Wow, wow. I'm far less optimistic. I think this is a year for growth within that system, but I don't see them contending this year. I absolutely see them contending this year, especially with Chip Kelly building that defense. That was their big weakness. They had turnovers and they they had they had breakdowns on offense, but that defense was the reason that the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have a better record last year. I just don't buy that you can sustain that sort of offense losing your top receiver two years in a row, losing to Sean Jackson, then losing Jeremy Macklin, hoping to rely on Jordan Matthews, uh, who's a great wide receiver going into his second year, and losing LaShawn McCoy. I think that, and I have no idea who, but they're going to find a wide receiver and they're going to find a running back, and whoever they find is going to be more than serviceable and I, I, I truly believe that Chip Kelly's offense makes the player and not the other way around. Does serviceable beat the Seahawks? Yeah, I think it does. Really? When, when, you're, when you're playing at that quick of a pace, if you have guys who know their job, even... Do even, your job. Exactly. Even super talented players on defense aren't going to be able to keep up. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it. Like Sproul, I, I don't, th- they need a better running back and they need a secondary option at, at receiver. Like you put the guys in the position to win your games. Sure. That works in college, but you need the talent, the speed, the athleticism in the NFL. This is, this is a collection of the greatest athletes to play college ball the select few that make it to the NFL, you need that advanced talent. I'm saying that if the Philadelphia Eagles can grab one of those not Gordon or Gurley running backs, because they might be able to get him, but even if they grab someone like Tevin Coleman or Jay Ajayi, I think that those guys are talented enough when given the right opportunity and given the right offensive scheme that chip kelly is going to put them in that they will be talented enough to succeed all right and i'm telling you if they draft a rookie running back and don't sign another running back that's if they don't end up with a miracle like like demarco murray or something like that that the philadelphia eagles are not making it to the playoffs Hmm. okay i think they can do with sam bradford and whatever they pick up in free agency you want to have excuse me you want to have dan write that down well, that's so dependent on many factors, but depending on what happens, we will revisit this in the we can, preseason. We can revisit I this. That, I think that Bradford's going to be a top quarterback, assuming all these things. I fall think Bradford's going to get hurt again because that's what he's shown his consistency in doing. <laughs> all right, I, I I can't say I I can argue with that. <laughs> all, all right, let's. So real real quick, I know we talked about Bradford, and I, I think. What do you think about Mariota? Because I think I'm in the exact same mindset. Assuming that they get Mariota and they they put him in that scheme, I think he can be a top 10 quarterback his rookie year. I just f- like RG3 just blew up. I feel like wherever you individually value Bradford, 
is the same place you individually value Sanchez, is the same place you individually value Mariota. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mark Sanchez is a, is a different story, though. He's, he, you don't think he's a, he's a serviceable quarterback? I'm, what I was saying was that Sam Bradford is more talented. He's more than just a serviceable option. He's just not been in the right situation up until now in St. Louis. Okay, let's take Sanchez out of the equation. I think, although I, I personally agree with Sanchez in this grouping too, but wherever you value Philadelphia quarterback, quote-unquote, is the exact same place you value any other Philadelphia quarterback. See, I disagree. I think that limiting the turnovers by knowing the system is a huge step up for Mariota. Whereas Sanchez just seems to lack that vision. He can he can work the system enough to be successful, but he's never going to be a top quarterback even in Chip Kelly's offense. Okay. Well, I think we've gone on long enough about uh, Philadelphia. I think that was about uh, well, I mean, 74 minutes. been doing so much that it's, it's true. hard they not have, to talk about They have them. done a lot, but I, I, I really just don't see it. I've also, I've also seen some very, very funny comments and pictures on Twitter where uh, they're talking about the Philadelphia Ducks. Really? Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think I've, I've seen that logo. <laughs> I've it's even the, seen that. Yeah, the, yeah it's, the, the, it's the eagle in the back with the duck bill, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. the one. No, that's cute. It's a, it's an interesting logo. Hey, hopefully they can uh, instill that system where they've got those sweet uniforms because th- that would be big money for the team. Oh. <laughs> you know, it would be. Yeah. But I, I think it. I think at this point in time, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you you don't want to be buying any jerseys just yet. Let's stick to t-shirts and hats. You haven't bought your Bradford jersey yet. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. All, All right. right, so let's move uh, on uh, to our to our next running back news, uh, Mark Ingram, who I uh, who, oh that's right, yep, who I touted as a uh, great target for Dallas to go after if they miss out on Murray. Um, he upped and surprised me and re-signed with uh, with the Saints. I didn't see that coming because because of their cap situation, but here we are. Well, we also didn't know that uh, Jimmy Graham was going to get traded. This is true. This is true. And we also didn't know how much uh, the salary cap was going to increase, which the league increased, I think, about somewhere between uh, 11 and 13 million, something like that. Right. I think it's at 143 now. Is that right? Yeah, it was something like that, which, which, yeah, 143, uh, according to our producer, um, which, which helps every team out, of course. So where where do you see Mark Ingram in in your running back rankings in 2015? Now that he's back with Peyton and Breeze, maybe. Yeah, I, I I'd really have to actually rank my running backs. Um, I think running back two. Oh, uh, just just in terms of that, I would yeah, he's a running back too. Um, he's shown he can catch the ball. I think he's actually gonna have a better year this year than he did last year, probably. Um, Thomas is gone, so he won't be, he, he's not there. He won't be taking any catches away from Ingram. And I think part of the reason they were okay with letting Thomas go is that Ingram showed that he was sure handed, just like we talked about in the first episode. Um, this is a good spot for him. He powers, he's get, he gets those yards, he can catch the ball. And, um, even though Graham's gone, uh, Drew Brees is still gonna be able to have enough weapons to spread the ball around and get downfield. Get Ingram in situations where he can score touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. I think I still have Ingram in that high end running back two range and that about twelve to sixteen range for me personally. Yeah. I, I see I see him I agree that he'll improve his stats from last year, but I don't know by how much. I think he'll hover right about a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. I don't I don't see any huge jump in production even with trading for Max Unger and, and trying to 
go to the run a little bit more. No, because because even though he has showed his improvement, um, Sean Payton has shown his commitment to getting different backs the ball. Do you want to talk about Shane Vereen? Yeah, let's let's move on to Shane Vereen. He's he's found himself a home, and I I couldn't be happier for him. How, uh, what do you think about him ending up in uh, uh, in uh, New York? I know you're a big Rashad Jennings fan. Oh, I'm not thrilled as Rashad Jennings owner, yeah. but I think I've been a Shane Vereen fan for quite some time. Yeah, I love Shane. Is his concerns in terms of durability? Um, he's broken something or other just about every single year. It's usually but, his wrist, if I recall right. Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah, hard to carry a ball with a bum wrist, but you know, or catch him uh, for that matter. Hey, uh, Mark Ingram played with a broken hand for a game, so that's true. That's true. That's why these. That's why these guys get paid the big bucks. That's why Shane Vereen signed for I think it was four million. Yeah, I think that he's exactly what they needed because Andre Williams has brick hands and he can't catch a ball to save his life. I think that they were really worried about him. I think the most concerning thing about either Jennings or Green is that Andre Williams is going to be that goal line back. Mm-hmm. He's going to steal those touchdowns, but you're never going to be able to start him game to game because you don't know when he's going to get a touchdown and when he's not. That's true. That's true. Uh, he, he did show his effectiveness on the ground like that. Um, whereas Jennings showed his pen chance for injury again. Yeah, I'm really, I wouldn't say I'm avoiding Rashad Jennings or Shane Vereen, but I'd say they're both more running back three types. I, I wouldn't draft them as a starter if I had to. No, PPR, I'd look, I'd, I would look at Vereen as a running back too. Um, just because they went out of their way, they paid him the money that he was looking for. They're going to feed him the ball. They're going to toss him the ball. Eli Manning's got to be happy having such a great uh, pass catcher in his backfield. And Vereen showed that he can be leaned on when absolutely necessary. When the chips were on the table in the Super Bowl, Vereen stepped up. He caught 14 balls in that Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and speaking of, real quick, Eli Manning, I think this boosts him a lot. I actually have Eli Manning as a sneaky top 10 quarterback for 2015. I do as I well. Think, yeah. I think when you give him a guy like Odell Beckham and when you give him a good run game, uh, they've they've done a lot to help their offensive line. Mm-hmm. When you when you put Eli Manning in that situation, he can succeed. And you didn't even mention that Victor Cruz is coming back. That depends. I, I think that injury is going to be really tough to come back from. And even if he is starting at the at the beginning of the year, he's going to be on limited snaps, and they're not going to want to want to really push him all that much. Regardless, for a guy. Well, yeah, but for a guy who relies so much on speed and agility, that's a really tough injury to come back from. Regardless, he's a guy you got to account for. You don't want him salsaing his way into your end zone. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think I think a lot of people are going to forget about him mm-hmm. uh, with Odell Beckham there. But again, I think I think Cruz is going to fall to at least rounds five or six. Yeah, he he's outside. He's he's not even in question in the top tier of wide receivers like ODB will be. Um, and then there's a big muddled middle of very valuable uh, second tier wide receivers. And then he he probably falls towards the towards the bottom half of the third of of the third tier for me, just because I I would like to see. Um, him return from injury, see what he can do, see how he can move. I, and the preseason might might give us a better insight in that too. Sure. I mean, obviously we'll have to monitor his recovery a little bit and see how that goes. Yep. All right. Um, how, do you, how do you think twi- um, Shane Vereen's uh, moving on from New England affects New England? I mean, they, they had a – I mean, he was, avail- he was hugely valuable in the Super Bowl. Um, 
he showed some spectacular ability and talent with some really great catches. One catch I remember in particular, um, I think it, I think it was something like a nine point fantasy play that really helped me one week. Um, he's not he's not going to be there in uh, in Patriots land anymore in New England. Patriots land, huh? And uh, they've really only Stephen Ridley's gone too. Ridley's gone as well. So they've they've got two bigger, you know, bigger sort of classic running backs in Blunt and Gray. Are they going to try and find a, a speedster? I think that I'll have Legarrette Blunt as a, a low end running back too, because as much as Bill Belichick likes to run things by committee, there. They brought Blunt back for a reason. Belichick has a certain degree of trust in him. As for the other running backs, I don't want to touch James White or Jonas Gray or whoever else. Brandon Bolden. Right. Well, Brandon Bolden brought back more. No, they brought him back, but I think more as a special teams guy. They've, They've never really involved him too much in the actual offensive scheme. Sure. But just in terms of Bill Belichick... There's always that guy waiting to break out, but you're never going to know who it is, and they're only going to break out the week after you drop them. So I don't want to. I don't want to draft any of those guys. If someone looks like they might emerge during the season, I'll take a chance on them on the on the waivers. But I'm not going to draft anyone other than Blunt in terms of the New England backfield. Yeah, I agree. Blunt is the target, and while the I, I feel that the, while the Patriots may have burned you last year, you know, playing the Gray Blunt uh, uh, Vereen game. They probably burned you because you drafted Vereen too high, like I did. Or because there's no way you were drafting Blunt very high last year, because he was he was set to be Le'Veon Bell's backup. So if you cashed in on him and got him as a free agent, then then you were lucky and you were happy with it. So I think people will shy away from drafting uh, Patriots running backs for fear of being burned again. But really, yeah, it's a two man show, and in reality, it's a one man show. But in my opinion, I think Blunt's a safe draft. No, I agree that he's relatively safe. I'm saying I don't want to take a chance on any of those other guys because the only way that you want to draft that guy is in one of the last rounds. And even then, you have to be able to have a deep bench so that you're not dropping him by week four for whoever the waiver wire pickup of the week is. You're not drafting him as a starter. I wouldn't, at least. No, absolutely not. No. No, you you can't rely on him to that point. But he does have the upside, which he's shown he can do. Just like Gray showed that I, Jonas Gray owns owns I think both the rushing and touchdown records for for one game for Patriots. Yep, and he will probably never come close to that again. No, 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 he probably won't. All, All right, right. Let, let, let's go. Let's move on. Yeah. Um. One one more guy. One more running back. I wanted to talk real quick before we move on to quarterbacks is Reggie Bush. He got released by the Detroit Lions. We don't know where he's going to end up yet. Where do you see? as a possible landing spot for him. So depending on what he's looking to sign for, he could he could fill that exact role I was talking about, uh, that Vereen left the hole in in uh, New England. I think so, but I want to pose another interesting landing spot. Somewhere okay. we talked about earlier. What about Reggie Bush complimenting Carlos Hyde? Yeah. Think, think about Colin Kaepernick's speed combined with Reggie Bush. The read option... Those two guys, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. I don't think that's awful either. I mean he's he's wherever wherever he goes, he's gonna make for a good complimentary back, most probably. A guy that can catch the balls out of the backfield, a guy that can if you're starting with a power back, a guy that can change your pace. If you've already got a speed back that can catch balls, somebody that can just lower the workload. He's been in the league long enough to learn how to how to do things that keep you in a game. It's just 
he's right, not, and he's he's always relegated to that complimentary back role, also because of his injury issues. Right. So what what does this mean for Reggie Bush and Theo Riddick? How do how do you see them? You mean Joyke Bell and Theoretic? Sorry, what did I say? Reggie Bush and Theoretic. Yeah, I meant Joyke Bell and Theoretic. Sorry. I'm actually pretty high on uh, on Joyke Bell. Um, I was uh, I was before Reggie Bush was gone, but I'm even higher uh, now that I'm even higher now that uh, Reggie Bush is, of course, gone. Um, okay. Joyke Bell had uh, so Reggie Bush had 56, and now I'm I'm talking strictly for people that that are really buried into uh, PPR sort of leagues. Reggie Bush had 56 targets from Matt Stafford last year. Joyke Bell had 52 targets from um, Matt Stafford, and Riddick had 50 targets from Matt Stafford. I mean, say you split them in half, say you give more to Riddick. Let's say you give 30 of those to Riddick and 20 to Joyke Bell. That means you're giving about 75 targets out of the backfield to Joyke Bell. And and Bell already had 225 more or less carries from the line of scrimmage. He touched the ball a lot more than people gave him credit for. In terms of combining carries from the line of scrimmage and targets out of the backfield, he had 275 targets, which is good for 10th overall of all running backs. Plus, you're taking Reggie Bush out of the backfield, which is, you know, 50 catches there, and and 75 carries. He basically carried the ball when uh, Bell didn't because Riddick only saw it 20 times. <clears throat> then I think Joyke Bell is really, you know, touching the ceiling of, of really trying to grab RB1 status. Would you be happy with Joyke <laughs> Bell as your number one running back? If I missed out... On uh, on one of the elite ones in the first round, if I if I opted not to take an elite running back and waited till round two, uh, late two or three after locking up two very solid wide receivers, I would be happy having Joyke Bell as my number one running back, either in PPR or in a standard league. I'd be a little bit nervous to to tell you the truth. Um, I think, but he's in the tier will... where you're going to be worried about having any of those as your first running back. I get that, but I think that I have him closer to a mid-range running back, too. Okay. I I don't think that he's going to be... I think he's going to do well, but I don't know that he's going to improve upon his stats that much from last year. He he had about... What? Let me pull it up real quick. He had 860 rushing yards, Mm -hmm. and he had 322 receiving yards. Yeah. I think that Riddick is going to take over more of the passing down work. And I think that Riddick is the beneficiary of Bush leaving, not so much Joyke, which isn't to say Joyke Bell isn't going to be a good running back. I just don't think that he's going to take enough of that production with Reggie Bush leaving. Hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, sure. That said, I I do have Reggie Bush, or I'm sorry, I keep saying Bush, uh, Joyke Bell about running back 15 in my in my ranks right now. Okay. So I understand. I I'm not I'm not that low on him. Just to give you perspective. Sure. It's just to it's just to to clarify. You you've got him in that muddled middle of running back twos, basically. That that whole yeah, it's, tier, it's and I have mess. him higher in the higher in the tier, and you've got him lower in the tier. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's absolutely right. Sure. So what do you think about Riddick then? What. <sighs> You know, it's it's early to say, but would you reach for him? Is he is he one of those running backs that you're going to take a little bit earlier, maybe like round seven? Um, not in a standard league, I wouldn't because of because of the amount of uh, targets he's seen out of the backfield. I I just like seeing targets out of the backfield because in a PPR league, 
I mean, what if you own Jake Bell? If you own Jake Bell, I think he's I think he's worth a grab. But I don't think he's the kind of back that you're going to reach to handcuff. He he's he's not the. Uh, Okay. Uh, I guess I can't. He he's not the uh, the, the guy. He's not the Michael Tier Lynch. You know what I'm saying? Is Michael even Lynch's handcuff? I don't. I I actually think it's going to be a committee of Turban and Michael, if we're being honest. So I I just I was going to say the the Davis Tier Charles, but <sighs> no, yeah, no, I agree. I think I think that's a good example of someone who would be the guy if the starting running back went down. Yeah. So he. he at this point, it looks like he'll be the guy, but I don't think that they could lean on him. I think they would find another guy to bring in. I agree, but I think I think Riddick could be a very good flex option, especially in PPR. Just straight up starting as a flex without Bell getting hurt? Absolutely. Look at what Reggie Bush and Joyke Bell did two years ago when both of them were healthy. Both were top 20 running backs. Huh. I think I think you put Riddick in that Sproles category and, and Travaris Cadet category where he could be a sneaky flex or even low end running back too in a PPR league. I think I think he does have a high ceiling like you're talking about it, but I, I think it's I think he's got more of a steady floor as just improving a little bit about upon these numbers this year. I I I think Bell's gonna get more of the target. I, I don't think he's gonna seed that much work to Riddick. Riddick's shown that he can do things, but but when handed the ball to rush the ball, I mean, he only picked up 2.6 yards per carry. That That's said, fair, and, and it's still possible that Detroit may may sign someone or draft another running back, especially with this year's class sure. of rookies. Sure, but that's definitely an interesting thought. Something I'll have to, I'll have to do more thinking about, actually. A flex in a, in a PPR league, I assume you're talking... Yeah, in PPR. You know, tw- I assume you're talking, you know, 12-14 team. 16 team more so than a 10 team oh definitely yeah, yeah. Okay. In, a, in a slightly deeper league not the standard 10 okay. team but okay. i think even now as we're discussing i just want to make something clear to our listeners i think most of the time when i'm thinking uh of a standard league i actually think 12 team leagues now i think most te- most leagues have have added added those two teams because 10 team leagues are are more rare these days as far as I'm concerned, the, the more teams there are, the, the more exciting it is because the more spread of the talent, the, the more spread there is in the talent, the more you have to, more work you have to do to pick the right players and put them into the spots to play. Yeah, I think it's fun. I, I know you and I are also in a 16-team league together, and, and at that point, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. But you it's really fun are. To, Riddick it's fun is to, definitely a starter in a 16-team league, I'll tell you that oh, much. Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right, uh, we're we're running over on time a little bit, so let's let's talk talk about some of the quarterback movement real quick. Just, okay. Um, let let's talk about we already we already talked enough about Bradford and Sanchez and the whole yeah we covered situation. that. Um, Josh um, McCown signed on with Cleveland, so maybe he's the starter. Maybe that's just to push Johnny Money Manziel. Um, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm I'm not really outside of like two quarterback leagues or super flex. I'm not touching McCown or Manziel. I, mean, I, I want no part of that. Yeah, we're talking fantasy, so I I mean, sorry Cleveland, we're gonna skip you again. Yeah, I I will say that I I like their running game. Um, I think they're gonna try to lean more on the run with their lack of receiving weapons and their quarterback situation. But I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. I think Crowell and Les both both have their right, value. I'm I'm saying for Cleveland Browns fantasy wise, Terrence yeah. West and Isaiah Crowell are the only two guys I really want to draft relatively early. I mean, in my opinion, there's an 
a very, very, very distinct outside shot that Heartline is viable in a points per reception league. And I'm saying outside. I think he's a he's a depth guy, a wide receiver three, wide at best, and probably wide receiver four. Which is unfortunate as a, as a team's star receiver now. Well, yeah, it's Cleveland. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cleveland rocks. All right, let's move on. Yep. Former Cleveland Brown Brian Hoyer. <laughs> <laughs> he he's moved on. We should as well. What 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 was what's that thing? Is it one man's trash is another man's trash? absolutely although Hoyer has shown that he can manage a game um I wouldn't quite call him a he's a competent quarterback I I don't know if you put him on the Eagles would you say that he's top 10 is he is he no no. absolutely yeah I I wouldn't either all right so Ryan Hoyer Ryan Mallett they're going to be vying for the starting job in Houston right um as quarterbacks, you're not going to draft either of them. No, fantasy. I have no reason to touch not, them. Not unless it's a maybe 16-team league. Some sort of deep. I mean, two quarterback leagues, you're, you're handcuffed. You've got, I mean, you've got to own just about every quarterback in the league, of course. But I'm not looking to right. get these guys. I think this is another boost for Arian, Arian Foster. And yeah. I think that if you're, if you're going to draft DeAndre Hopkins, I wouldn't be too worried. He's, he's shown that he can make the best out of his situation. His talent is locked in. He, he seems to be one of the guys who's going to produce for you whether or not you have a good quarterback. And there's been a number of receivers who have uh, had that situation over the years. Now, right. on the other hand, losing Andre Johnson is a definite blow to whoever's starting a quarterback in Houston. Sure, absolutely. I, I think that again, the only the only players on Houston that I really want are Foster, his handcuff, and then DeAndre Hopkins. I might I might take a flyer on Garrett Graham or CJ Federitz at tight end, but only, again, only deeper leagues. Yeah, uh, Fyodorowicz is is a guy who we haven't talked about. He he's a young guy. He's got a lot of talent with him. Now, next, uh, we can talk about uh, Matt Castle. Who may have found himself? Who may have fallen right back into a starting spot in the league again? Who's who's worse, Matt Castle or EJ Manuel? Uh, do you have a coin? Does Dan have a coin? Can he flip it? I don't. I don't know. I, I gotta say that was a trick question because yeah. I actually like EJ Manuel better. You do because I think that they want to. They want to try to in order to help Lashawn McCoy. They want the more mobile guy, and that's EJ Manuel. Yeah. I think they want they want to maybe try some some read option. I know Rex likes his trick plays sometimes. I think that EJ Manuel might actually win over Mike over Matt Castle. I think it's more important who gets the ball to the receivers better, and and that might be Matt Castle. Crazy as that sounds, um, that's that's true. Yeah, because I I feel like Lashawn McCoy. While of course it's great to help him, you know, spread the offense, get a mobile quarterback. Um, he was successful with with a very old Donovan McNabb. He was successful with a, I I wouldn't call Nick Foles overly mobile, would you? True. Very yeah. true. And and Matt Castle did all right with with Minnesota relying on Peterson a couple mm-hmm. years back. So I, I could see him potentially winning that job as well. Regardless, I don't see either of them changing how I'm valuing McCoy. I don't see how either of them are changing uh would change how I value um uh, Sammy Watkins either. I agree. I think that Castle might be a little better for Watkins than EJ Manuel, mm-hmm. but not by a whole lot. No, not not a ton. Uh, right. Um, we we talked a little bit about Jake Locker retiring. Yeah. Uh, I think. 
do you think they're going to draft a quarterback at two, or are they going to stick with Mettenberger? The rumor is they're they're pretty happy with Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, if I mean if they're they're happy, they're happy. They're they're another team like like the Browns that are just kind of floating there. That I don't really know what's you know I I don't know what to say about them. Um, the only guy that I think's even remotely um, viable in in a fantasy setting is Delaney Walker. Um. Yeah. I. I th- I still have a little bit of hope for Bishop Sankey. I think part of the reason he didn't get as much playing time was the, the lack of experience at pass protection, which sure. is really important to Ken Wisenhunt. I think that Sankey can still be, I don't want to say running back too, but he can be a flex okay. uh, as, as of right now. And as much as I hate to say it, a, a tiny part of me doesn't want to give up on Justin Hunter. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, but I, I think I'm done. He's with a him. late, late flyer. He's not. He's definitely not someone you're going to try to rely he's, on. He's one of those wide receivers that is going to be drafted in every league late, looking for a sleeper, and and it's reasonable because he has talent. It's just he doesn't have the right quarterback, and he hasn't shown that he can take over a game without having a great quarterback. He's not the kind of guy that uh, that. Um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins has shown himself to be right. I think uh, I don't think we need to talk about Tennessee much. Either, no, I no. Think. Uh, one, one quick quarterback news that I, I saw today that mm-hmm. I want to mention real quick too. Sure, is that Tim Tebow might might oh, actually take part in the veteran combine that okay. the NFL is doing for the first time. Oh boy, who else is taking part in this combine? <laughs> Anybody else? Any other names released? Is Trent Dilfer going to get back in on the action? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, here's here's the reason, the only reason that I'm somewhat interested in this news, and that's because. The report is that he's been working for the past two years with Tom House, who's also Tom Brady's personal coach. Oh. And according to House, uh, supposedly Tebow has been making some pretty good strides on his spiral and throwing motion. And given how thin quarterback is, you, you don't think any team might take a chance on him? Um, I if think... you're the Cleveland Browns, what do you have to lose at this point? I think if you're Tim Tebow, you have a promising career as an analyst and more money to make to lose. That's that's what I think. Let me let me ask this question: The Cleveland Browns thought it'd be a great idea to spend some money and and revamp their logo, which is basically just making it a brighter <laughs> shade of orange in hopes of selling more tickets. You don't think that they might take a chance on Tim Tebow? That was uh, that was the great reveal. That was that was hilarious. They uh, that was they, pretty. They, good. they amped that up for for the better part of a year. Yeah, I, I had a good chuckle yep. at that. Um, I guess at that point, why not try anything, right? Uh, Tim Tebow. The the only problem I think is Tim Tebow just might get demolished playing back there for for the Browns. And why would he want to risk some sort of injury when he has a promising career ahead of him? Well, he's shown that he's he's dedicated to football. He's got that passion. If anything, he's a leader on the field, despite his poorly thrown spirals and bad reads. Yeah, I just feel like his his other career is, is far... I mean, they're putting him in spots because w- whether you like him or not as an analyst, he has a recognizable name. He has... He'll sell tickets. He'll sell tickets. And, and he's... Well, I'm, I'm talking as an analyst, per, from an analyst's point. Um, put him on a table and people are going to watch him because he will have legions of followers um, on the right. Not not to make this political or anything, but but he will have legions of followers that will follow him wherever he goes, that will watch him wherever wherever he's on television. And I think he's going to make it. I think he can make a great career out of that because people will pay to see him. 
yeah uh all right we're really running way over time but one last quick comment on tim tebow sure. if you're a team that needs a miracle who better to get one? Oh gosh <laughs> god bless right. go broncos um a couple <laughs> quick notes that i just put in i know that you wait very very late if you're smart in your drafts to take defenses and kickers but a couple of current uh, contenders for pretty good defenses fantasy wise the lions may have lost dom Kinsu, but they signed Haloti nyada i think they'll be just fine and we um, still don't know if they're gonna get uh, nick fairley back or not that's true and i i think that the lions are, are consolidated right now in my mind at least as a as a top three fantasy defense oh sure have to be um same with the dolphins they mm-hmm. already had a great year last year now they now you add donkey kong sue to that and that's that's wow. monstrous that's scary yeah i think i think the dolphins are they might actually beat the patriots um given that given that they just lost revis and they're they're losing weapons on offense. Tom Brady can only do so much, and he's getting older as well. So we'll have to see what happens in the AFC East. When you when you show me that Sue has the ability to cover uh, the Gronk, then I'll be worried about the Pats losing to Miami. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. Um, quick. Uh, well, the reason I'm worried about the Patriots is because the Bills and Jets defenses are both pretty good too. So that that's the only reason I, I say that. Yeah, you come at the king, you best not miss. That's true. All right, uh, is there is there anything else that you wanted to mention real quick? Uh, no, I I, I think. Uh... Oh, you know, I got I got oh, one last thing. Okay, Sorry. Sure, sure. I I just want to say on a personal note that I'm very sad that no team has given Michael Crabtree a look yet. I am. As It'll you happen. Know, I've been a big Crab Crabtree believer, and, and I think that, that you have. He still has potential. Oh, I'm going to throw that out there. He still has potential. I mean. <laughs> His college career speaks for itself. The guy's got potential. He's got talent, but he's the the years are not being. I mean, the years the the clock's ticking away at him. I, I it's now or never. You got to make a career now, or you just got to kind of become a career backup. All right, guys. Well, uh, if if guys and gals, I know girls out there play fantasy as well. Absolutely. But uh, for all you listeners out there, if you've if you stuck with us this far, thanks for listening. Thank as you. As always. Uh, if you've got additional questions for us, we're more than happy to help you out. Uh, you can reach me. My Twitter handle is at FFA underscore M-E-N-G. And I'm at, um, at sorry, and I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S. Um, and Dan is, of course, our wonderful producer at at FFA underscore Dan. I think, I think he's got a sore throat today. He hasn't he hasn't spoken much. Yeah, he's uh, but but he's doing a great job for us. Like a round of applause for Dan. He he, he is, is he is doing a great job producing and everything. Um, but back on point. Send us your questions that you'd like to see answered. Um, uh, tweet us and hashtag them. Hashtag FFAQs Fantasy Football Attic Questions. Um, also just tell us what you want us to talk about. We'll see what we can do to fit it on the podcast. We'd love to be interactive with our listeners. All right. Peace out. Thanks, addicts.